Welcome. We're glad to have you here this morning online for our online service. We're going to come to you live this morning, and uh, we trust that God is going to bless you through the Word and through the music, through the worship, and uh, we're just glad that you're with us this morning. It's Palm Sunday, but we're not going to talk about Palm Sunday this morning. We're going to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus went and prayed with His disciples. And uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. And we're going to read that together, so go ahead and get your Bible. The Garden of Gethsemane is located very close to Jerusalem. It's only about a 20-minute walk through the Kidron Valley, uh, across the Kidron Valley, down into the, into the eastern gate to Jerusalem. And it's the place where Jesus prayed in the garden. Uh, the trees that you see in the Garden of Gethsemane today are probably the great, 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 great grandchildren of the trees that were there when Jesus prayed. In 1924, a basilica was built on the, on the grounds that were there, and it's a beautiful church. It's called the Church of All Nations because so many nations contributed to its, its uh, funds to be built. And uh, it's also known as the Church of the Agonies, for the agony that Christ performed when he was praying in the garden there. And in the middle of that basilica is purported to be the rock where Jesus knelt when he prayed the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was here in that olive garden that Jesus called his three main disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him while he, was, uh, while he was going to the cross. This is all in preparation for going to the cross, and Jesus prayed these prayers when he was there. So let's go to Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46, and we're going to stop in the middle of each one and uh, make some observations on it, okay? So in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. This tells us something very interesting about Jesus and the Savior that we love so much. It tells us that he, was, he, had, he had the feelings that we feel. He went through the same things that we went through. He said he was crushed. He was to the point of death. And Jesus, Jesus experienced that same feeling that we feel. In Hebrews chapter 14, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says this about Jesus. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, and he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Are you lonely today? Do you feel the pang of loneliness in your heart? Jesus felt the pang of loneliness in his heart. Have you ever been abandoned by your friends? You feel the pain of a lost relationship. Jesus felt that pain of a lost relationship. It was with Judas. Judas was one of his disciples. It looked, he looked to him as one of his disciples. And he had a relationship with him. He longed to have fellowship with him, but Judas betrayed him. And Jesus watched as Judas walked away from him and betrayed him. And Jesus became lonely over that. Are you abandoned by your closest friends? Jesus was abandoned by his closest friends. Frustration, anger, disappointment, all these things felt by Jesus when you, that you feel too. 
He even felt abandoned by God. Did you realize that? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel as though God has abandoned you. Jesus felt that. Remember the words from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Jesus was carrying the sins of the world on his shoulders. He was abandoned by God because he had sin on his shoulders and he felt abandoned by God. He's experienced that. You are not serving a Savior who is distant and above it all. You are serving a Savior who has felt the feelings that you're feeling. He's experienced it. He's not some mythical God up in the cosmos that doesn't have the feelings that you feel. But he goes along with your feelings and he knows that you've been there and he has been there with you. <clears throat> and then it says in verse 20, or 39, it says, He went a little further and bowed down with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. Going to, we're going to talk about this more a little bit later, but it's important to realize that Jesus' heart desire wasn't even his will. He was the son of God. He was the sinless man, but he had his will submitted to the will of the Father. It was God's will that mattered to him. In Jeremiah chapter 18, there's a story of Jeremiah as he goes down to the potter's house, and God gives him a word to speak there. It says this, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed the lump of clay and made it again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Clay doesn't assume its own shape. Clay doesn't make up its mind of what it wants to be and makes itself into that thing that it desires. It puts itself in the potter's hand and it becomes what the potter wants it to be. All that matters is the potter's will. And God is saying here, my will is what's important. Jesus was saying that. God's will is what is important to me. Not my will be done, but yours be done. Now, Jesus wasn't excited about going to the cross. He didn't have some weird kind of excitement about suffering and dying and going through all that pain and agony. He didn't want that. As a matter of fact, he had just asked the Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But he wanted God's will above his will. He knew that it was important to be yielded to God's will even above his own will. We need to remember that, don't we? And then it says in verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus is saying here that often our bodies override what our spirits are willing to do. We all know that one of those things that we shouldn't be doing is touching our face. You know, they say that one of the things, you're supposed to wash your hands, you're supposed to cough into your elbow, you're not supposed to touch your face. That is hard to not do. It's difficult to not touch your face. We do it naturally all the time. And the minute that I say, don't touch your face, what's the first thing you want to do? 
touch your face because the, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I'll never forget the, the video of the woman from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, reading off the list of things you should and shouldn't do. And she was saying, okay, wash your hands, cough into your elbows, don't touch your face. And then she took her finger, she wetted, her, wetted it with her tongue and turned the page. She, she blew it right there. It had become such a habit that she, that she, that she, overcame, she couldn't overcome that. The body is willing, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How often has our spirit been willing to pray, but our body is weak and we can't do it? How often have we been willing to fast, but those hunger pangs overcome us and we give up on the fast? How often have we been willing spiritually to speak boldly, but in the moment comes we chicken out, we have, we have fear in our lives and we let our bodies overrule our, our, uh, our spirits in those cases? That's hard to do, isn't it? Jesus said, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then it says in verse 42, Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken with me, away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Then he returned to them again and found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. What a tremendous act of self-discipline and sacrifice Jesus is giving us here. We're seeing the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans where he said, those things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And those things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing all over and over again. We all have that struggle, don't we? The struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The only question that mattered to Jesus was this. Am I doing the Father's will? We just talked about it. Am I doing the Father's will? Is it the Father's will that's being done in my life? People ask, what is God's will for me? They, people will often ask me, I'm trying to find God's will for my life. And I tell them, that's easy. It says in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it tells you God's will for your life. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's God's will for your life tonight. If you want to please God, then simply be joyful all the time. Find joy in life. Choose joy over mourning. Choose joy over frustration and anxiety. Oh, never stop praying. Be in a prayerful attitude all the time. Pray about everything, the Bible says in Philippians. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful for everything that you have. And be thankful for the things that you don't have. Because God supplies all of our needs according to His riches in glory. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5 when, we, when you're looking for God's will in your life. And then it says, so he went to pray a third time. Jesus prayed three times for the same thing. It wasn't an act of faithlessness on his part. Some people say if you pray for something more than once, it's not an act of faith because you're not sure if God's going to do it. Jesus prayed the same thing three times, and he asked God to take that cup away three times, and yet he wanted God's will to be done in his life. And so he said, then he came to his disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. 
Jesus was seeing that Judas was coming to arrest him with the soldiers that were there. And the, the, the road to the cross was well on its way. That's where we're going to leave it this morning. But I want to talk about three things that we can learn from this. Three takeaways from Jesus' Garden of Gethsemane prayers. And first of all is that in times of crisis, Jesus prayed, so should we. In times of crisis, Jesus prayed, so should we. Jesus had an active, consistent prayer life. He prayed about everything. He prayed constantly. He prayed to the Father over and over again. He had an active, consistent prayer life. When he, was gonna, when he faced the decision of the, choosing the 12 disciples, the Bible says that he prayed all night long. He prayed the whole night long before he chose his disciples. His prayers were so effective that the disciples drew a direct line between his prayer life and the power that he had. The disciples saw Jesus doing all these miracles, all of these healings, all of these great things that he did uh, through the power of God. And they drew a straight line between the power that he displayed and the prayer life that he had. And so he came to them and he said, Father, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer at that time. And the, it exemplifies, and the Lord's Prayer exemplifies the simplicity and the beauty. We're not going to read it right now, but you go ahead and read that. You'll have a chance when we ask questions later on to look that up and read it. But they, they prayed the Lord's Prayer together. The Lord's Prayer is very simple. It's very short, it's easy to remember, and it simply shows us the eloquence of simplicity that, that prayer can have. You know, you don't have to have all of the eloquent words and all of that kind of stuff to pray. You don't have to be wordy, you don't have to have the right position and all of that kind of thing there. It, it's, he just says, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me, but whatever happens, let your will be done. Jesus wants you and I to have a robust, healthy prayer life. Not the occasional 911 call that we throw up when we're in trouble. Some of us, that's the only kind of prayer life that we have is when we're in trouble. We can tell when we're in trouble because we feel like praying. But Jesus wants us to have a prayer life that extends far beyond the trouble times, in the good times, in all of the times that we have, we need to pray to God. It says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to bring our lives to him. We do that through prayer. We pray and we ask God to come into our lives and come into our hearts and to hear what we're saying. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Prayer brings rest. Prayer brings rest into your life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's a great motto for our lives, is to be people of prayer. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. Why is prayer so important? Why does it matter? Because it's effective. In Psalm chapter 34, verses 17 through 20, it says this, The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help, and He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue him each time. 
For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Why should we pray? Because God hears our prayers, because they're effective, because they work. If your prayers aren't effective, you need to pray more, not less. You can't give up on God and give up on prayer. So that's number one. In times of crisis, Jesus prayed, and we should pray too. Number two, even if our friends let us down, our Father, our Heavenly Father, never will let us down. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, were taken along to watch and pray. Jesus said, you stay here while I go over there and pray. Watch and pray with me. And he returned to find them sleeping. They couldn't stay, stay awake. They had, they had almost passed out on Jesus, and he was disappointed in them. You can hear it in his voice. Couldn't you even stay awake one hour? His friends had let him down. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to suffer physically, worse than he had ever suffered before, worse than any human being had ever suffered before. He was going to go to the cross and die, and all he wanted was his friends to stay with him and to keep up with him, but they couldn't do it. These three men couldn't even stay awake and pray. Have you ever had friends that just didn't get it? They didn't get you. They didn't understand what you were going through. They didn't understand what you were feeling. I want you to know that everybody has those moments when they feel misunderstood and like their friends are not backing them up the way that they should. Perhaps we forget that more times than not, we have maybe done it to them too. Why? Because we haven't experienced what they've experienced. You may be going through something that your friends have never experienced before. Peter, James, and John didn't get the full import of what was going on. That's what led them to fall asleep. And when your friends are abandoning you and it seems as though they don't understand, I would care to, to wager that it's because they don't understand the depth of what you're going through. And maybe, just maybe, you need to forgive them. You need to cut them some slack. Are there friends that you need to forgive? You know, the Bible talks a lot about forgiveness. It talks a lot about forgiving others because they've done us wrong. And I want to encourage you, if you're holding a grudge because your friends don't understand you or don't, don't experience what you're experiencing, you need to forgive them. It will set you free. It will set you free, not them. It will set you free from the, from the, from the bondage of, of, of expectations, high expectations and hurt feelings. Forgive them. God wants you to forgive them. Even my, David experienced that in Psalm 41, 9. It says, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. David experienced that and he knew what it was like to have his friends abandon him. In, in Deuteronomy 3, 31, 8, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God will never leave you and never forsake you. So don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. That's what God says to us. Let's trust God. And then the third thing that we need to remember is that when we face terrible times, we can trust in God's will. We can trust God's will. Jesus said, not, your, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because he trusted that the will of the Father was perfect and right. And you can trust that too. 
Did you know that God has the end result in mind before we ever see the end result? Did you know that God has seen the ending of your story before you even see it? You don't know what the end is, but God knows what the end is, and it's good, and it's to glorify Him. He will glorify His name in the end, and you can trust God on that. You can trust His will even when you don't see the end of it. In Romans 8, 26 through 28, it says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads with us for, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now listen to this part. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. God has His will in mind, and you can trust that everything is going to turn out for the good of God's will. God will be glorified in your life. One way or another, God is going to be glorified. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. Trust in God, not yourself. Your will is not what matters. It's God's will that is important that we need to be concerned about. Psalm 112, 7 and 8 says, They do not fear bad news, speaking about God's people. He says, They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. That's what God's will means for your life. It means that God wins in the end. He always wins. And His will is what we need to look for. I don't know how you're feeling about this this morning, but I want you to know that God is with us today, that God is with you right here, right now, in the middle of this coronavirus. You may not understand why this is happening. A lot of people have questions of why does God allow this? Why is this happening? Why is this virus so virulent? Why, is, why are people suffering? All I know is that God is good, and in the end, His will will prevail, and His will is a good will. His will is a right will. His will is a perfect will, and we can trust God in all of that. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask God to give you that peace that passes understanding. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I want you to know you can trust Him with your heart. You can trust Him with your life. He died for you. We're going to celebrate His resurrection in just a few days. On Good Friday, we're going to remember His death as we gather in a, in a drive-in service here at North Point. We're going to remember His death and His resurrection on Easter morning. He died for you. He lives for you today. And you can give your life to Him right now if you want to. Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to You. I need You to forgive my sins and make, me, make You the Lord of my life, and He will. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I pray for that one there this morning that may be praying that prayer, that may be saying to, to You, God, forgive my sins, make me whole, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and be my Savior. God, I pray that you would flood their hearts with your presence right now, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are there and that you are, that they are, that you are there, that they are yours, God. I pray that they would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you.
If you made that decision to follow Christ, I want you to tell me about it, would you? Just email me at pastorjoe at hollandnorthpoint.org. That's pastorjoe at hollandnorthpoint.org. And let me know that you gave your life to Christ. I want to know about it. I want to send you some stuff that will be encouraging to you and let you know that you can live a strong life in Christ. Would you do that for me? I appreciate it very much. Now I want you to grab the piece of paper and write down these three questions that I want you to go over with whoever's with you. If you're alone, go over them by yourself. But if you're with your family, make this a family activity. And question number one is, read the Lord's Prayer together and then answer this question. What part of the prayer stands out to you? What part of that prayer is most meaning to you, meaningful to you? Make that, make that a question that you answer. Question number two, what are some of the emotions and feelings that you're dealing with right now? I know some of you are frightened right now because of the coronavirus that's going around. Some of you are confused. You don't know why this is happening. Some of you might even be angry at God because he's allowed this to happen and you don't know why. Whatever it is, put a, put a, put a label on that feeling and tell it to God. Tell him how you're feeling. Let him know how you're feeling. Number three, is there someone who has disappointed you that you need to forgive? Someone that's hurt you that you need to forgive? The Bible says that God won't forgive us until we forgive those who have hurt us. So it's vitally important to your life that you be a forgiving person. Forgiveness is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised to be effective. And the more you exercise it, the stronger it comes. So I want you to do all those things. Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate you paying attention to this message. We want to serve you in any way that we can. If you have a need, would you let us know? Call the church office at 738-8355, area code 616-738-8355. Email me at pastorjoe at hollandnorthpoint.org. And we'll, we'll, we'll answer you and, and let you know what we can do for you. But God bless you. If you, if you want to give to the church, uh, we really need you to give during this time because we can't meet together to take up offerings and stuff. You can go to www.hollandnorthpoint.org www.hollandnorthpoint.org and click on the donate button. It'll walk you through all the steps to donate to our church. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day and I'll look for you Sunday morning.